We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Matson. and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have an offensive line position preview to get to as we rumble toward training camp. By the time you're listening to this, we'll be inside of three weeks. We're recording this on July 5th. So exactly three weeks from today, the 49ers will be reporting to camp. We're doing previews at each position. This is our final offensive group. No, wait, we have wide receivers to do as well, I believe. But um, either way, offensive line, let's go. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So we're going to do this one a little different, Chris, because during our position previews, we've been doing what's the most interesting thing, what are the position battles we're looking at, and then is the depth good or bad. But with the offensive line, we know Trent Williams is starting at left tackle. We know Mike McGlinchey is very likely, barring injury, starting at right tackle or barring issues with his quad injury that, that knocked him out last year. He's going to start at right tackle. And then everyone else on the roster is just up for winning one of the guard or center job, one of the guard jobs or the center job. And so we're just going to kind of lump all of this together because the position battles are what's interesting. And depending on what you think about those position battles will define what you think about the team's depth. Yeah, I I think really (laughs) like... It's one of those things where we watched in the spring, but it never felt like it it was probably the most glaring position during the spring in terms of like, all right, there are guys out there, but we're really not learning anything new because during during the spring program, Trent Williams was sitting. um, Mike McGlinchey was recovering. Daniel Brunskill was dealing with knee tendonitis and recovering. Um, So it was. You know, it was Colton McKivitz at left tackle, I believe. Um, and where 
was it Colt? No, I think it was Justin School. Justin School and Colton McKivitz were the tackles. I forget exactly which ones were, were of course playing at each spot. <laughs> um, and then you had Aaron Banks at left guard, J- Jake Brendel at center. I think those two are fairly or at least the favorites to start at their spots. I would say Brunskill is still the favorite to start at right guard. Um, but, you know, you have guys like Jalen Moore. Uh, they have two other guys that they've drafted um, this year in Nick, Zach, in Nick Zakel uh, and Spencer Burford, who are going to be in the mix somehow. Um, so it seems like they have a lot of depth and they have a lot of guys, but we don't know if any of the guys are good. And we don't really know if the interior is going to be good enough for it not to be a liability because, you know, we've, we've kind of seen it. We've talked about it before. At least I have like, it was a position of glaring need, particularly center, I would say. And they just kind Mm -hmm. of didn't address it. It seems like they're comfortable. It seems like they're comfortable just promoting Jake Brendel from the backup center role to the starting center job. And, you know, Chris Forrester might be high on him, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a sure thing to be a good player or at least good enough to not derail what the 49ers want to do offensively. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing because the 49ers know they have a first-time starting quarterback under center. And if you have also a first-time full-time starter at center because I think Brendel's played something like 500 snaps at center in his career. He's just not played a lot of football in the NFL. So that's just a very, very risky thing on an offense where the offensive line is so active and such a big part of, of what the 49ers do in the run game that just, it, I mean, the entire interior leaving it up to what is our, essentially just question marks up and down the roster. It's it's at center. It's Jake Brendel, Donovan West. He's an undrafted free agent. Keaton Sutherland might play there. He's played a little bit there in his career. Uh, does Jason Poe, another undrafted free agent, get a crack at it? Like it's, there's no like Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks is the guy that I feel the best about, which is saying something going like, yeah, that guy's probably that, that guy's going to start at left guard. I think he'd have to be a real disaster to not get the starting job. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a guy they drafted in the second round last year who barely got on the field. Um, yeah, I would say it'd be super problematic if Banks wasn't starting this year because he probably should have been good enough to start last year. Right. And, and I consider it problematic that he wasn't, but the 49ers ultimately, you know, it didn't it it didn't hamper them in any substantial way. I don't think. I mean, that you you could always the, the thing with offensive line play when you look at it, you could oh with with maybe the exception of Trent Williams, who's basically a um a superhero at left tackle, like your offensive line play could always be better. Right? Like, doesn't it feel like you could always allow fewer pressures? You could always get more push off the running game, even if you feel like your offensive line is good, you always feel like it can get better. Like it's it's one of those positions where it's like you're sort of always worried about it because anytime anybody gives up a sack, obviously it's super problematic, but you're never going to go a full season without like, no one's going to go a starter is going to go a full season without giving up a sack. Right. But it seems like anytime a sack happens, it's like, Oh, what a disaster. That guy, is that guy having a good year? Are we sure? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. 
So it's it's a weird position to to sort of evaluate from the outside. Um, I do trust Kyle Shanahan and Chris Forrester to to an extent. Like they've been doing this for a long time. They know a lot better about what they want and what they need for their offense than I do. But ultimately, I think if you look roster wide at what might be the weakest position group on the roster, I think it's offensive line, particularly the interior of the offensive line. So one of the big questions going into the season, particularly when you go against so many good pass rushers and Aaron Donald, you're going to play twice. Like, is it going to be problematic to the point where it costs you games? And that's ultimately going to be the barometer for them, because if they're, you know, if they lose in the playoffs because of an interior pass rush, which was problematic in the Super Bowl and problematic in last year's NFC championship game, then obviously that's going to be something notable, particularly when, you know, they didn't address the offensive line early in the draft when we thought maybe they were ticketed to to trade up and take a center in round two. So there's this adage about offensive line play that sticks out. And what you just said reminds me of it is your offensive line isn't as good as the best player. It's as good as the bat, the worst player. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, that could come to fruition with the 49ers this year, because even if they nailed the Aaron Banks pick, like let's say Aaron Banks is, is good. Maybe not a pro bowler, but like you feel good about him. Like what Lake and Tomlinson was over the last couple of years. I know he made the pro bowl last year, but you just feel fine. Like he's fine over there. And then if either the center or right guard spot are the same way, like, okay, it's fine. It's not great. Like, let's just say Brunskill is Brunskill. Like he's fine. But then the center spot is a disaster. Like that's a huge problem. It doesn't matter what you're getting. If you have one cog on your offensive line that's really, really bad, you have a significant issue. And suddenly we're looking at the Niners offensive line going, man, this offensive line is not very good. And it's really, it's one guy that's not very good. And they've opened themselves up to that by having three spots with no proven starters at any of them. And it's baffling. They, it's, I, I understand the idea you need cornerback help. So you bring in a bunch of cornerbacks, free agents, uh, you know, kind of mid to lower level free agents. And you draft a couple of guys in the mid rounds and you throw them all at the wall and you see what sticks. You can do that at running back. You can do it at receiver. You can't mask bad offensive line play though. If your offensive line isn't good, it's really, really hard. I mean, there's, there's ways, but it's hard for 17 games and then a playoff run to just, deal with a bad offensive line. Like, yeah, we're going to get the ball quick and we're going to do these styles of runs. Like eventually teams catch on. Right. And you can't do that game in and game out. So that's, that's where I see if more than Trey Lance's inexperience and the question mark there, like the offensive line has a very, very significant chance to be like the 49ers biggest problem all year. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And to your point, like, I think Kyle Shanahan is good and he was proven to be pretty good at masking offensive line deficiencies, but that was with Jimmy Garoppolo who really excelled at getting the ball out quickly, right? Like that was Mm -hmm. probably one of Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest strengths was just his ability to get the ball out of his hands. We don't know that Trey Lance can do that yet, right? right? So if Trey Lance is not a guy who gets the ball out quickly and obviously his release takes a little bit longer, Obviously, he hasn't played a whole lot of football, so it's going to be a question of is he going to be comfortable enough in the pocket to, to think quickly enough and do all the things he needs to do to get the ball out. But on the other hand, 
does Trey Lance's skill set and his ability to potentially make plays outside of structure mask some of the offensive line's issues in a way that, like, you know, Russell Wilson with Seattle always had a horrendous offensive yeah. line. And it didn't really matter all. I mean, it, it mattered, but it didn't completely destroy their offense for a lot of those years because Wilson was just so good at escaping and improvising and making plays with his legs. Maybe there's an element of that in Trey Lance's game to where it's less important to be outstanding along the offensive line than it would be if you have a quarterback who doesn't move quite as well like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but is, is that something you want to put on Trey Lance in year one as a no, starter? No, 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 no. Like, hey, go figure this not. out and also run around. <laughs> yeah, right, definitely not. And And I think it's fair to look at it and say, of the five positions, you really feel good about one. Right. Like going into last season, you felt good about four, four out of the five positions because you had Alex Mack, who was an all decade player who has since retired. You had Lakin Tomlinson, who, you know, was a high level guard who ultimately earned enough of a reputation to, to make the Pro Bowl last year. You had Trent Williams, who's one of the two or three best tackles of his generation. And you had Mike McGlinchey, who you didn't feel great about after what he did in 2020, but he was a first round pick and ultimately you thought he would bounce back because it probably wasn't going to get worse for him in 2021, but ultimately he gets hurt, gets lost for the season. And now he's a pretty big question mark because that's not an easy injury to come back from, right? Like a torn ligament in your quad um, is just not an easy thing. And he's been rehabbing for months and months and months and he hasn't practiced yet. And all signs are pointing to him being available at the start of training camp. But even still, it's like, you don't feel great about Mike McGlinchey based on what's happened the last three seasons after he was really good in his first two. Right. So it would be, it's very important for the, for for Mike McGlinchey to regain that form that he had, I think in his first couple seasons. And in 2019, he was, you know, I know pro football focus said he was one of the best run blocking tackles in the league. The 49ers need at least that from him and him to be better in pass protection. Um, They need Trent Williams to stay healthy coming off the ankle injury that, you know, I think really hampered him in last year's in last year's NFC title game. And then it's just kind of three question marks. Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel and Daniel Brunskill or Jalen Moore or whatever the combination is. You know, you look at the roster and say, okay, they have bodies, but is this going to be a good enough group? And I think. The 49ers have a really talented offense from a skill position perspective, and Trey Lance is a really talented prospect at quarterback. But you would love to feel a little bit more confident in the offensive line so that everything else can sort of function because that's really probably the Achilles heel going into the season. Well, the good news is they have like 10 players for these three spots. Yeah. They're going to have 10 guys that I'm guessing – like I said earlier, I think Banks probably is the day one left guard and for the most part plays with the ones at, at left guard. But it wouldn't surprise me if just every day out at camp, there's somebody different rolling with the ones at center and right guard, for at least for the first couple of weeks while they start to figure that out. And we'll probably see in their first preseason game, we'll probably see a few guys rotating at those spots with the ones because there's not, I mean, Daniel Brunskill is not the worst right guard in the league, but you could definitely upgrade there. 
And if he's just far and away their best option at right guard, I think that means something's gone wrong. Like, there's nobody even pushing him. That's that's problematic because they drafted Jalen Moore. And I know these are these are, you know, mid and late round picks, but they drafted Jalen Moore to potentially be that guy. I think they want Nick Sakel to come kick inside after playing left tackle at Fordham. Uh, he's a player that spent a draft pick on Spencer Burford, another rookie, uh, fourth round pick that they, ex- I, I think I'm guessing they'll kick him inside. Um, these are, uh, Colton McKivitz, another guy. I know he ended up playing swing tackle last year, but they, they said when they drafted him, they, they wanted him to play guard. So they have all these picks that they've invested in. And I think they're the reason that they quote unquote ignored it this off season was because, they thought, hey, we, we ha- we've invested in these spots. Now these guys need to step up, and that's fine. And you know, they see practice, they see all the tape, they know much more than you and I do. But from the outside looking in, it's it's risk. Like that's that's a significant risk, and maybe it works out. And um, you know, we're sitting here going like, wow, I can't believe we ever, you know, was concerned about the offensive line, but. Yeah, I, I think another thing that's worth pointing out this year, you know, we, we talk about the brain drain that they might have had along the offensive coaching staff with so many assistants leaving this offseason and going to, you know, Miami to be with Mike McDaniel or elsewhere. Chris Forrester is really probably their most important assistant coach this offseason because he's the run game coordinator. Um, and he's more or less Kyle Shanahan's top offensive lieutenant now that McDaniel is in Miami. And Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator with the Jets. He left a couple years ago, but point point stands like this is a new look offensive coaching staff. And now Chris Forrester has more juice than any other Kyle Shanahan offensive assistant. And this is his baby. And he has... I know he has a very loud voice or at least a very like he's he's given a lot of autonomy when it comes to the offensive line. Like he's really like when it comes to scouting the position and identifying players like Chris Forrester has a voice. And, you know, given his history, like it's. You know, he's a long history with Kyle Shanahan. They go back to their time with Washington. But obviously, you remember what happened with Miami. And if you don't, you can Google that. Um, But it wasn't great. It wasn't a great ending to Chris Forrester's time with the Dolphins as an offensive line coach. And look, I know he's he's talked about, you know, recover, recovering and and all that stuff. And and I'm not questioning where he's at from that point perspective but it's just like to go from you know michael floor mike mcdaniel all the other offensive assistants that kyle shanahan's had john benton um you know like wes welker like now to go from having all of those guys to lean on to now chris forrester being as your top guy like that's a noticeable a notable transition kyle shanahan's going through this season and chris forrester is a very important guy now and so i'm you know, I don't I don't want to say this that this season is going like the offensive success is going to be a, a referendum on Chris Forrester, but it's like it's a big season for him. Maybe one of the biggest of his career because I don't know that he's ever had this much responsibility before. Right. 
and they have to figure out what's going on in the offensive line on top of all that. Right. And maybe that, that's, and that's his and, baby. That's that's his position. Right. So maybe I mean, maybe he knows the offense in and out and knows what Jalen Moore and Daniel Brunskill and Aaron Banks and all these guys and Jake Brendel bring that are going to help the offense and put those guys in a position to succeed. That all you know that all sounds great in theory, but if this was if the Seahawks were doing what the 49ers are doing right now, we would be like, wow, they can't figure their offensive line out again. That, <laughs> that's well, that's at least the aren't, aren't like trying to convert basketball players into like they're starting like left tackle. That's a great point. That's a really, really good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, although Jake Brendan could probably play basketball given how athletic he is, <laughs> but it's a pretty good hooper. Yeah, his um his athletic profile and the numbers would indicate that he is a, a good athlete. I put it this way, I haven't heard that people are like I don't know that people inside the building are overly enthralled with his athleticism. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I mean, what, you know, and 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 out but outside of just to get kind of get back to the offensive line in general here. It's the most outside of Trey Lance. What's happening on the offensive line is the most interesting part of training camp for me. It's you're just a real football there's guy. Three, I'm a big time football guy. And <laughs> all about the trenches no, I with just, you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, mean, I'm I with can't you. wait I'm to see. You. I can't I can't wait to see, you know, how do these guys anchor? Um <laughs> no, I, I just it's three wide open positions. With yeah. favorites to start who have either never started or started very sparingly in their careers. So, or, didn't, or guys like McGlinchey and Brunskill just didn't participate in the offseason program. Right. Or it's, who coming back off injuries. You have it's a, a it could it could derail their entire season if this doesn't go right. You have a second round pick last year at left guard who we don't know if he's a bust or a pro bowler. You have an, a former undrafted rookie who's played like 275 snaps who's going to be your starting center. You uh-huh. have a guy who played in the AAF who's the favorite to start at right guard who's coming off a knee injury that prevented him from participating in the offseason program. You have a first round pick entering his... Who was fifth, a tight end in college. Who was a tight end in college. Then you have a former first-round pick in McGlinchey in 2018 who is in his fifth-year option year, right? So, like, they have a – the, the Niners have a really interesting decision to make on McGlinchey, actually. Um, and maybe contract year McGlinchey is, is a better player. And maybe, you know, maybe McGlinchey forces them to – or puts, them, puts himself in a position to get a big payday next year. Or, you know, he's playing for – the Seahawks in 2020. If, if Mike McGlinchey is just median Mike McGlinchey that we've seen in his career, he's just base level Mike McGlinchey, where he's a very good run blocker and a average pass blocker. Do they? They pay him. Yeah. They, okay. They but love they don't Mike cash him out. But they, they don't love, cash him out. Well, they're not gonna like. Trent Williams cash him out, but like if Mike McGlinchey plays like he did in 2019, I bet you he gets 13 million a year. 
Okay. If he plays like he did in 2020, they probably let him go. Right. Hmm. Fascinating. And then they have to figure out right tackle next year. <laughs> yeah. Then they probably oh, have to dip into free agency and or you know trade up in the draft. They don't have a first round pick next year either, so they don't. Um, I think it does. Yikes. Mike McGlinchey lead the team in like possible outcomes this year. Like very, it's gotta like, be Lance. Like okay, that's fair. But outside of Lance, like non quarterback, because like it wouldn't surprise Ooh. me. It wouldn't surprise yeah, me if Mike McGlinchey's a Pro Bowler. Or like yep. not a pro bowler because he doesn't have the reputation, like, but like a pro bowl level player. But it also right. wouldn't surprise me if Mike McGlinchey's like, yeah, not really right after the injury, uh, not all the way back mentally. Like, you know, Niners decide to might let Mike McGlinchey go. Like, I feel like there's just a very wide net of outcomes that's all possible with him. You have now somebody I'm trying else to think that there's. I feel like. I feel like Debo Samuel falls into that bucket a little bit. Debo could be like the best player in the league and like an offensive player of the year candidate or like, like doesn't even have a thousand yards or appears in four games. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Like there's, there's a, there's definitely a world where Debo just, it comes back and everything's fine and he builds on what he did last year. And it's like, Oh my God. This is a bargain, whatever deal the Niners gave him. Offensive player of the year. Is he an MVP? But like you said, there's also the, they played six games. Right. Not a ton of news on that one yet. Nope. But apparently. I think we're getting there though. Apparently he never rescinded his trade request. So while he was at spring practice. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Rescind your trade request? Yeah, go. Hey guys, never mind. Don't trade me. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not going to try to climb in the mind of Debo Samuel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, don't, I just saw it. Somebody reported that. I forget who. I think it was um, Breer. Breer, yeah. So, Breer. I mean, yeah, that trade request will probably be Fowler, Jeremy Fowler. Okay, that trade request will be out there until he signs with the quill pen and the Niners post it on Instagram. Correct. But even that, I mean, like I said, we're July 5th. I mean, we're probably, we're three weeks from reporting to camp. And we're probably about three weeks from any movement on that front. We'll see. Maybe we'll get the July 21, like 49ers and Debo Samuel of open talks on an extension. There's going to be. never wanted to leave San Francisco. <laughs> I'm expecting next week for there to start to be like flurries of news on that front. And the, you know, there's going to be a report. Jimmy Garoppolo's resumed throwing, you know, yeah. Deshaun Watson is facing a possible suspension. Like there's going to be all sorts of stuff that like, like it's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be a quiet July for us starting next week. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Talking to not talking about the offensive line anymore. Um, talking Nick to Bosa. Dr. Narav Pandya from okay, go ahead. UCSF Hospitals. He He's an assistant professor of orthopedic surgery and the director of sports medicine at Benioff Children's Hospital. And he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo's injury 
And he was like, this throwing program is super slow. Like, it's not like he just gets out and starts letting it rip again. So the other thing is doctors are going to be like any team doctor is going to be concerned with like, okay, that's great. He can throw, but what is it like when he like contact contact is the big thing. Once he's through the throwing portion. So if he's looking at like a three to four week build up to being able to actually like make real throws. I mean, he's going into training camp and I'm just, I, I'm, you know, there's this, Oh, the Panthers are interested and in what happens with the Browns and Sean Watson. He'd be a good fit in Cleveland for a year. And I just don't know if there's going to be a team that's willing to, to trade for him given the injury risk at that point. Cause they're not going to get to see him go full throttle and the way Dr. Pandya was lining up the timeline, it's like, man, he's probably not going to be ready to play like in games till week one. And he'll have missed all of the preseason. And I just, I don't know. I have a very hard time envisioning a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded and the 49ers are not picking up a substantial amount of right. money in his contract. Right. Like, like to the point zero- where it's like, is it even worth it to pick up a future sixth? Right. Eight, like, eight yeah. Million. Even like, so let's say I think the best, the absolute best the 49ers could do for Jimmy Garoppolo is like a fourth at this point. And I, th- I think it's more likely they get a fifth or a sixth. Yeah. Coming off the injury for sure. But if they get a fourth, they're picking up 18 of the 25 million. I feel like, right. you know, and then at Which that is point, more than they'd pay the fourth round pick. Right. And and at that point, it's like, is it really worth it to pay all that money for a fourth round pick or it, in best case scenario? Right. Assuming that they right. get the most they possibly can for him. So we'll see. I, yeah, I'm, again, wouldn't surprise me at all if they're just like, you know what? We're going to do what's best for Jimmy and allow Jimmy to pick his best, his next destination and release. Yeah, I thousand percent think that that's what's going to happen. As soon as he's cleared where they don't have to eat the seven and a half million or whatever it is. Yeah. I think he's and then it's going to be funny because on. it's going to be like, there's going to be an outcry. <laughs> You're just cutting him. You could have had all that available money in free agency. <laughs> that type of stuff. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Oh man. Which Can't we've wait. talked about at length. Go back to our previous pod. We've um, talked about it on like 10 podcasts. Jimmy Garoppolo's money has no bearing on their ability to spend this offseason. So let's just yeah. reiterate. PFF Brad joined us and talked about it. Shouts to Brad. Love Brad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you know what we're going to do next week? Not next week, next pod. Hopefully I'll have more energy. I woke up this morning in upstate New York and traveled across the country. So if I seemed a little low energy like, today, did that's you know you were going to wake up in upstate New York or just random? Like, I mean, no, it was planned. and woke up in upstate New York. It was planned. I wasn't kidnapped. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was by design. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. You were there for a long time. You got a lot of golf in. You broke 80. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Never congratulated you. Uh, Matt Steinmetz from 95 7 the game said to tell you he shot a 78. Oh, good. At nice. Yeah. Peacock Ridge or something like that in Marin. I don't know. Peacock Gap. You played there. That's it. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a fine course. Um, it was one of those things where. So I was house sitting and I took vacation time. So I was just kind of like hanging out with the my football part dog. of the pods over. If you want to hang out. Yeah. Okay, if you want to, if you want to bounce and and subscribe know, rate and review. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I ended up playing golf four days in a row and I shot a 78 on the fourth day. And there was a swing thought I had because I was really struggling off the tee. I had like one of my worst rounds in a couple of years on what Thursday. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to play Friday. And then I ended up just going because I scheduled the tee time. I, I mapped all of it out. I scheduled my tee times ahead of time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And then I just did it. And then there was a swing thought I had on the tee, like three holes in. And then instead of pushing, push slicing everything out of bounds, I started just nailing fairways mm-hmm. and like three, four, three or four holes in a row, just nailed fairways. And I'm a much 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 better player when i hit fairways like i'm bad off the tee most of the time but when i hit fairways i'm okay and it was just fairways all day and so that's that's what happened stars aligned for you and then i played again on sunday and uh wasn't great off the tee so golf is is just that game golf sucks i love it i love it it's terrible I always feel bad because I'm just, I don't practice. I just go, I go to hang out with my friends, but I also don't like doing things that I'm not good at. So I go to like, hang out with you guys. And I'm like, I'm enjoying hanging out with you guys. I love that part of this. The game itself. I'm, I hate it. I'm yeah. really upset about that, <laughs> but I love hanging out with the homies. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've, I've invested a lot of time and money in, into golf and, uh, and so it was very, very fun because I've been, if you followed me on Twitter, I, joke about breaking 80 and it was fun to i've been like planning to send that kevin garnett gif if and when it ever happens so i was happy to finally do it 
proud of you, man. You yeah. Did. Yeah. Of, uh, it might be my biggest accomplishment of, of 2022. Which it's means we're going to get easy. Learn how to handle hard better. <laughs> Carol Lawson. Nice. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, my 2022 has been awesome. Otherwise, though. shout out. <laughs> Congrats, man. Thanks. Um, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors or no? No. Okay. No. Yeah. I don't Unless. So. No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Unless no, I'm. Mm, mm. If it gets to the point, it's not going to. But if it got to the point where the Nets were like, "Just give us Andrew Wiggins straight across. Let's get this done." Then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have but, to do it if you're it, like, yeah. If that's what it is, then you have to do it. If it's like, but they've been, but they've, but they've been doing this whole two timeline thing. And if it means detonating their two timelines that they've worked so hard to try and line up with the Steph clan Draymond core with Moody and Kaminga and pool and Wiseman. Um, if you've done that, you want a title, like it's all going according to plan and you just blow it up for the last three or four years of, of the Curry clay Draymond. I don't even know if Draymond's going to sign another contract. So yeah. after next year, it'd be, it'd be, Steph and a 36 year old Steph and a 35 year old Durant and a 35 year old clay. Like, I don't, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Like you do it. If it, if it doesn't cost you Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman pool, then <laughs> I would like do it. But if it costs sure. you all those guys, then it's like, but it's going right. to, right. It's going to, right. That, that's why I said if the, the Shams Shams Trania reported today that the Nets aren't just going to trade him to trade him. The same thing the Niners are saying with Jimmy Garoppolo, like, oh, they're not just going to trade him to trade him. Um, so I just, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to get to the point that the Warriors would feel comfortable making that deal because they want to continue winning. I don't think they want to be in a spot where it's great. Here's four years of Kevin Durant, maybe another title or two, but then just the abyss because everyone's gone and they have nothing. And I think the Warriors have a legitimate chance. Like if Kuminga and Moody take a leap and Wiseman just plays is capable of playing 10 or 15 minutes a game, Warriors might be one of the, if not the best team in basketball again. Yes. On top of like Wiggins should should be an all star again, right? So like, hope so. I mean, he wasn't that good, and he was an all star, and I know it was because of the fan vote. But like <laughs> now, after what he did in the playoffs, the expectations for Wiggins are like, all right, you should probably be like a third team All NBA guy, right? Well, that's the question with Wiggins, right? Is it is it's like, oh, that's what he is now, or is it, oh, you can do that for sixteen games in April, May, and June, which is fine. Right, totally fine with it, but I'm just not putting that on him right. in the regular season yet. Like, show me. I think Kaminga could be a star, like a star star. Yeah, but this year, I'm not buying it. No, year. not this year, but like, that's the thing. Like, if you think Poole's going to potentially be an all-star, if you think Kaminga's going to be a star, and you think Moody could be like a contributor on a playoff team and somebody who can play in crunch time, which he looked like he could have been, you know, it was 19, 20 year old this year. Like, yeah, that's a very good team because it fills in a lot of gaps 
that the Warriors had issues with regarding their depth this last year. Yeah. Don't sleep on Quindary Weatherspoon, by the way. Summer League, balling. I'm a big Quindary Weatherspoon guy. Are you? Okay. Yes. I, um, I think he's I think he's legit. I think he's a good player. Yeah, and losing Gary Payton the second sucks for the Warriors, but as somebody who, who was around the Sacramento Kings a little bit, not to brag, but um, Dante DiVincenzo, he's a good player. I think DiVincenzo is want to be in sack. Good player. Um, I will buy your Dante DiVincenzo stock. I think he's obviously not Are as you- good. Like he's not going to Dante DiVincenzo is not going to defend like Jason Tatum in the finals. But he does a lot more offensively than Gary Payton does. Right. So maybe that's how are you. Are you taking some of the money you've made off Jimmy Ward Island and building a house on Dante Giovanni Island? I'm not willing to go there yet, but okay. I'm, I'm more optimistic, I think, than most. Like, I, I feel like you're like looking at Zillow listings just in case. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Expand. I'm, I'm thinking about expanding my portfolio. Can J- can can Dante DiVincenzo be the Warriors Jimmy Ward? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jimmy to, Ward is way more important. Yeah, for the I'm, yeah, I don't think that's analogous. I'm trying to think which 49ers player would would how you would equate Dante DiVincenzo. Aziz Alshire. How about Robbie Gold? <laughs> If DiVincenzo just like hits every spot up three and like defends at a reasonably decent clip, that's kind of the equivalent of like having a good kicker, right? Sure. Talano Hufanga. She's going to come be the third safety now. There could be a game where DiVincenzo has like 20 points and like Steph goes three of 15 from three. And then the Warriors end up winning by five because of DiVincenzo's shooting. Yeah, it's like he plays. He's gonna he's gonna take GP2's roster spot, but I think he's gonna offer offensively a lot of what like Otto Porter offered. Yeah, minus the rebounding. Minus the re- yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, All I can't Kuminga. believe TJ Warren's signed for the vet man, dude. I mean, he hasn't played much the last couple of years, right? Yeah, but he's, he's a good player. Anyways. I'm all in on Kaminga. That's the light minutes. That's a light minute segment. Listen to Light Years with Samus Fondiara and Andy Lou. Continuing to pump out content in the offseason. Those guys are great. Yeah. We should have Blue Sam Wire. on. We should have Sam on again. Great. Three, three we'll, do shows, so, yeah. we'll do it. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. See you. Subscribe, rate, review. Oh, yeah. Do that. Was those things. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.